Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? Man, I hear? I know him. Why don't you donate five dollars to the cause and maybe it'll make you feel better. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're talking about Christmas. It's December, it's that time of year again, and the world, at least in the U.S., is focused on Christmas. So of course we have to talk about it, and of course I have stories about it. Last season we talked about Christmas when I was growing up, and I told you some of the stories about waiting for Santa Claus and hearing the reindeer. This year we're going to talk a little more generally about Christmas, and what it means and what it's all about. Now we're going to set the stage a little this year, just like we did for Halloween, we're going to set the mood a little. We're going to go down to the Christmas room. So let's head down to the Christmas room. What do you mean, do I have a Christmas room? Of course I have a Christmas room. It's a podcast. I can have any kind of room I want. So we're going down to the Christmas room. Here we go. So we're going to head down there. And of course, we have a roaring fire already going in the Christmas room. Because Christmas without a roaring fire in the fireplace, it's just not Christmas. Well, at least in the Northeast. All right, let's pull up a chair here right by the fire. Ah. It's funny, when you're growing up in the Northeast, it's always cold. You're always hoping for snow at Christmas. So it makes perfect sense to have a roaring fire by the fireplace. But as you grow older, you realize that Christmas isn't the same everywhere. It's not always cold. It's not always snowing. You don't need a fireplace all the time. I did Christmas in Florida, and it's very different in Florida. You don't need a fireplace in Florida. And I know this may come as a shock, but they have Christmas in the Southern Hemisphere as well. And, oh, it's summer there. Boy, I would love to do Christmas on the beach in my shorts, lying out getting a tan on Christmas Day. That would be awesome. But for me, growing up, the traditional Christmas was by the fireplace, hot cocoa, bundled up under a blanket. That was Christmas. And the other thing about Christmas was it was a religious holiday. For me, growing up, it was all about the birth of Christ. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to be preaching to you today. I'm just going to give you a little background about what Christmas was like for me and how it's developed over the years in my lifetime. And then I'm also going to talk about the origins of Christmas, which I've looked into as well. Now, some of this information may come as news to you, but let me start with my beginning. I grew up with Christmas as a religious holiday. Christmas was all about the birth of Christ. We had a nativity set that we put up every year. We had the little baby Jesus in a manger with Mary and Joseph. We had the three kings. We had the animals in the manger. And boy, oh boy, did we know about the story of Jesus. We heard about it at home. We heard about it in church. We heard about it in school. We heard about it in the Christmas carols that we sang. It was all about Jesus. We learned that, and it was a big thing. And I'm not discounting that. That's what the Christmas story is. That's the story of Jesus. That's how we learned it. That's how we celebrated it. And actually, the fact that so many of us learned it that way is why there's now this perceived war on Christmas. Because it's not taught the same way and it's not taught with that in mind to so many people. We know what Christmas is, but it's not taught the same way it was when people of a certain age were growing up. But the thing is, Christmas has evolved since its inception centuries ago. But we'll get to that. For me, I went to Sunday school. And as a kid, we were taught about Jesus. We were taught about the Immaculate Conception. We were taught about the star. 
We were taught about the three kings bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. One of the big Christmas carols was The Little Drummer Boy, which actually spawned a Christmas special that you don't see too much anymore. You actually have to look for it and buy it because they don't air it, at least on broadcast TV. But the religious aspect of Christmas was huge. And I remember growing up, the battle between the spiritual aspect of Christmas, the religious aspect of Christmas, and the consumerism, the commercialization, the gift-giving. There was a huge tug-of-war about people wanting to keep the Christ in Christmas. And don't forget to teach the kids the religious aspects of it. And it's not all about gifts, and it's not all about toys, and it's not all about getting things. And I remember my parents drilling it into our heads to make sure that we understood it wasn't about getting gifts. If you're giving gifts, that was the more important part about Christmas. The spirit of giving was what was instilled in us. Or at least they tried. I mean, no kid in his right mind didn't want to get gifts. That's why we paged through the Sears Roebuck Dream Book every year. We would get these catalogs in the mail about mid-November. Hundreds of pages of toys. And we'd go through those catalogs and, oh, I need that. Oh, I want that. Oh, that's going on my Christmas list. So our parents had to combat that commercialization, those hundreds of pages of toys, with the understanding that this is about the birth of Christ. This is about the beginning of Christianity. This is where Jesus came from. And so that was the drumbeat in our heads in the background at the same time that Toys R Us was putting Jeffrey the Giraffe in front of us. Hey, kids, look at all the cool stuff at Toys R Us. But it was a constant struggle when we were growing up. I want this. Oh, I have to give that. I want this. Oh, I have to give this. So there was always the understanding that there was the religious aspect of Christmas and the commercial aspect of Christmas. And I guess that led to some of the stress that people had because you had to honor the spirit of Christmas and you also had to honor the spirit of giving gifts to everybody you thought should get gifts. The other thing about Christmas growing up, it was families getting together, relatives you hadn't seen, family members you hadn't seen, friends you hadn't seen for ages always wound up getting together at Christmas. Whether it was at a party or at a dinner or some informal get-together, everybody met up at Christmas time. In school, you would have Christmas parties. I discovered as I got older, at work, you would have Christmas parties. And you had these obligatory functions that you had to attend, whether it was a school Christmas party or a work Christmas party or a work luncheon or a work dinner, where everybody was expected to go. And at school, you find out you really don't have a choice because if everybody's going to the assembly at the cafeteria for the school Christmas party, you have to go. It's not like you can go, I don't feel like it. You just went. And that kind of bled over into work. If there was an office luncheon, everybody was expected to go. You couldn't beg out of the office Christmas lunch. Same thing with an office Christmas dinner. You couldn't beg out of it. You were expected to be there. And if you didn't want to go, people thought there was something wrong with you. Well, it's a party. You want to go, don't you? <laughs> Not really. Can I go home? So built into these gatherings, starting from a young age, there was this pressure to go to these events these gatherings, these parties. And as you get older, you find that there are office politics involved, family politics involved. So you have this pressure to go to these things, do these things, go to these places that maybe you don't really want to go, but you feel obligated to do it. And if you have a big family, you might have two or three of these gatherings. And if you work for a big company, you might have this huge shindig you have to go to. And so you have to balance this with the Christmas shopping. So you have to get gifts 
for all of the family members who you think should get a gift from you. And we all have those lists. Okay, this is the list of people I have to buy for. This is the list of people I can buy for if I have enough extra money. And then there's the office gifts. Who do you get for at the office? So you got the pressure of parties. You've got the pressure of gift giving. Oh, and then there's the decorating of the house, too. We got to make sure the house looks right. Got to have the right tree. Got to have the right ornaments. How about the lights outside? When do we put them up? Well, that'll take a weekend to do, so let's plot a weekend for that. Oh, and if we want to go see the Christmas decorations in New York, or Cincinnati, or Los Angeles, or wherever we happen to live, we have to make time for that, too. Because it's tradition, we gotta go. Then you might find yourself on the other side of the country because your job took you there. Your family's back on the East Coast, you're living on the West Coast. And Mom wants to know, when are you coming home for Christmas? It's the time of year we all get together. So you've got that pressure. Oh, crap, I got a Christmas party tonight. I got to fly home for the weekend. Maybe if I stay there for just three days, I can get back in time. Oh, you're always juggling stuff at this time of year. Christmas isn't a fun thing when you got all this stuff going on. When you're a kid, the only thing you have to worry about is, okay, what am I getting? And who do I have to give gifts to? That's pretty much it. As you get a little older, you have to worry about the Christmas dance. Maybe. But then you've got the parties and the obligations, and the travel, and the work, and the decorating, and all of the stuff that makes Christmas as stressful and as crazy as it's become. And all of that because Jesus was born on Christmas Day. Well, except he really wasn't. All right, this is where we're going to tell some hard truths. This may come as a shock, but Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. I know, it's kind of hard to believe, right? If you know your Bible you know that the Bible actually doesn't say when Jesus was born. There's no date. You may have heard this before, and maybe you haven't, but December 25th coincides with a lot of midwinter festivals that were already in existence at the time that the church decided to celebrate December 25th as Christmas Day. And when I talk about the church, I'm talking about the Catholic Church, because not all of the churches, not all of the religions decided on this at the same time. It wasn't like everybody looked at the Bible and said, Aha! December 25th, well, that's the day. It wasn't until about 400 years, 400 years after the birth of Christ, that they decided to start celebrating December 25th. Now, the midwinter festivals that were in existence at the time, what they euphemistically call pagan festivals, were celebrating the end of the year. When the harvests were done, when there was nothing left to do, people would have parties around the winter solstice, December 21st. The night comes in early, people needed things to cheer themselves up and celebrate the end of the harvest, so you'd have a big party. That's what the pagan festivals were all about. And pagan isn't a bad thing. It really essentially means non-Christian. Back in the first few centuries after Jesus, the Christian missionaries called everybody who had a local, regional, non-Christian religion pagan. But Christianity adopted their festivals and accepted their festivals and kind of co-opted those festivals to become part of the Christmas tradition. And the Christmas festival took bits and pieces from these festivals and traditions and incorporated them into the Christmas celebration. For instance, the Christmas tree didn't really come into being until about the 17th century. That's 1,700 years after Jesus. And the Christmas tree is derived from the pagan practice of bringing greenery indoors to decorate in the middle of the winter, to make it look festive, to make it look green, to remind us that winter isn't the be-all and end-all, that spring is coming. Because don't forget, Jesus was born in the Middle East. 
there aren't a lot of Christmas trees there. Fir trees, spruce trees, not native to the Mediterranean, just so you know. Santa Claus, not notorious for his Mediterranean roots either. He comes from England's Father Christmas, another pagan figure, who originally wasn't even a gift giver. Father Christmas and his other European variations, because every country has one, is really a modern incarnation of the old non-Christian ideas of spirits who traveled the sky in midwinter. That's where Santa Claus actually comes from. And it has nothing to do with Jesus. But Christianity adopted these things to make them all part of Christmas, and they've evolved over the years. The other thing to keep in mind about Christmas, while the Catholic Church gradually, and I'm talking gradually over the course of hundreds of years, began to embrace Christmas, not all offshoots of Christianity did. People talk about the war on Christmas now. You want a war on Christmas? Back in the 1600s, the Puritans didn't like Christmas. The Puritans, also Christians, hated the festivals associated with the Christmas celebration. Too much drinking, too much celebrating, too much bawdy behavior. Christmas was actually banned in England under Oliver Cromwell. And in New England, here in the United States, it was illegal to celebrate Christmas in the 1600s. They just banned it. They didn't have a war about saying Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. They just said, nope, no Christmas, sorry. We're not celebrating that pagan holiday. Here's another thing about Christmas. Gift-giving wasn't always associated with Christmas. Gift-giving was actually a New Year's tradition. It wasn't until the Victorian era of the 1800s that gift-giving shifted to Christmas. It used to be that people would give gifts at the end of the year, kind of as a celebration of the end of the year. It was Queen Victoria who started giving gifts on Christmas Eve, and it caught on. There is so much out there about the history of Christmas, how it came to be, why it is the way it is today. And you can dig into it if you really, really want to. I'm just telling you this stuff as some background. Maybe it'll help make you feel better about the pressure you feel celebrating this holiday, which has been cobbled together over centuries to give us what we have today. And what do we have today? Well, a lot of that depends on who you ask. To some, it's a very religious and meaningful day, and I don't begrudge them that at all. Because it is. That's how I grew up with it. To some, it's just a very chaotic and crazy and pressure-filled time of the year that has nothing to do with religion. And I get that, too, because I wasn't brought up with that, but that's how it became for a large part of my life. It was always stressful. You were always planning dinners or trips or whatever to make people happy. Everybody but yourself. To some, it's a sad time. They don't have family. They don't have friends. They don't have loved ones that they can share it with. Everybody around them makes them feel bad because they're not happy that it's the hap-happiest time of year. Some people get depressed because it's just not a happy time for them. And people don't listen to them or give them the ear they need so that they can explain why Christmas is not so cool to them. And that makes them sad and lonely. It's easy to think of the good times because we've had so many good Christmases and so many times we've had presents that are just wonderful things that we receive at Christmas. It's also easy to think about the bad times at Christmas because we think about people who are no longer with us. We think about the stress we've been through. We think of the people we've lost. I can tell you for myself, when I was a kid, Christmas was a very happy time. My parents always made it a point to make Christmas feel good, have wonderful presents for us, have plenty of food on the table. Even if we didn't have enough the rest of the time of the year, Christmas was always special. But with that specialness that my parents instilled in us, 
there was still some of the pressure that I came to feel in my grown-up years. Because I could tell that my dad did not want to have his mom over for Christmas. Or maybe it was his sister. I could never tell whether he had more issues with his sister or his mother, but I knew that Christmas was very stressful for my dad. As we got older, we tried to make it a little less stressful. I remember one of the things we did to entertain my dad was to get back at his sister a little bit. We didn't understand the dynamic. We knew there was tension there. We didn't know why. But we discovered that when my aunt would visit us at the holidays, when she would use the bathroom, she would go through the medicine cabinet and the drawers You know, where you keep your band-aids and your mirrors and whatever else you keep in the bathroom. I don't remember how we discovered she did this, but we did discover that she did it. So one year, us kids, we decided to give my aunt a little message. And in each of the drawers, we put a little note. What are you looking in here for? There's nothing in here for you. Shut this drawer. We put those notes in the drawers and just left them there. And after my aunt left, we told my dad about it. He was quite pleased. It may have been the best gift we ever gave him for Christmas just calling out his sister a little bit. But I remember it was a stressful time for my dad, and I didn't understand exactly why. I just knew there was family politics at play. And it wasn't until I was older and had family politics of my own to deal with that included my parents at some points before I understood the pressures that go with Christmas. And they're there. Now, when my kids were little, I kind of revisited the Christmases of my youth because I wanted to make Christmas happy for them. And I did, and it was happy for them. But I had the pressures that my parents had that I had no idea about when I was a kid. So as much joy as I got from Christmas from my children, I had the pressure and annoyance and aggravation of family politics on the other side that kind of balanced it out. And we all deal with that. So what does all of this mean? What's the point of all of this? Why am I telling you this? Well, I'm telling you this because I want you to know that it's okay to celebrate Christmas however works for you. If it's a religious day, that's okay. If it's a happy day, it's okay. If it's a sad day, it's okay. There's no one right way to do Christmas. While there's no doubt that Christmas has its religious origins, Christmas has become much more secular than people will have you believe, depending on who you talk to. So it's okay to make it your holiday. It's okay to celebrate it the way that works for you. If you want to have a quiet dinner, just you and your significant other, or just you by yourself, and that dinner consists of a burrito and salad, that's okay. If you don't want to give gifts to anybody because you don't want to, for no other reason except you don't want to, that's okay too. On the other hand, if you want to have a huge party at your house, Invite all of your friends, invite all of your family, invite everybody you know, that's okay. You shouldn't feel like you have to celebrate Christmas any particular way. But I will make this suggestion. Whether you accept the religious overtones, the religious connections, the religious overlap of the holiday, there is something about Christmas time that reminds us of the spirit of giving and the spirit of kindness and the spirit of brotherhood to men and women of all ages, of all ilks, of all races, of all creeds, of all cultures. That's the Christmas spirit. If you believe in Jesus, then you believe, or at least should believe, in the brotherhood of man. And by that I mean mankind. And if you don't believe in Jesus, there's still that brotherhood. Because we're all people. And being kind to one another, reaching out to one another, helping one another. That's the spirit of Christmas. Whether you're Christian or not, 
Helping your fellow man is what the Christmas spirit is all about. Showing that you care about other people, that's what the Christmas spirit is about. It's okay to care for yourself, but there are people less well off than you who could also use your help. Whether it's giving $20 to the homeless shelter down the street, volunteering to work an afternoon at soup kitchen, sending a check to Planned Parenthood, going down to the school and paying off someone's lunch debt. There are so many ways that you can show the spirit of giving, the spirit of compassion, the spirit of kindness. That is what the Christmas spirit is supposed to be about. No matter what your religious beliefs are, the Christmas spirit is about loving and caring and kindness. And so no matter how you choose to celebrate Christmas, I think your Christmas will be better if you keep that Christmas spirit in your mind and in your heart. To me, that's what Christmas is all about. Of course I know that not everybody celebrates Christmas, not everybody's a Christian, not everybody cares about Christmas, and that's fine too. I know there's Hanukkah, I know there's Kwanzaa, I know there's lots of other celebrations at this time of year. I'm not short shrifting any of those. I'm just talking about what I grew up with and how that has developed over the years. Whatever your celebration is, that doesn't preclude anybody from participating in the quote-unquote Christmas spirit of kindness and love and brotherhood, or sisterhood. My thought is simply this. We can all be nice to each other. It's this time of year that makes it easier than others, because everybody's talking about it. So might as well take full advantage of that, right? No matter what your religion, or lack of religion, there's nothing wrong with being nice to each other, and caring about each other, and helping each other. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Storytime. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening. I hope I didn't offend too many of you. Not everybody likes to dig into the backgrounds of things like this. I do. You know, facts are important, but beliefs are important, and faith is important too. It all works together to give us this crazy world in which we live. But I appreciate you taking the time to listen and indulging in my ranting and raving this week and every week. You guys are the best, and I can't thank you enough for your support. You guys are just amazing. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.